HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by One House. Learn more about our comprehensive hospitality solutions at one-haus.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, October 19th, 2016. This is the 120th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a top executive at City Harvest, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to give back. Think of others and help those who are less fortunate than you. There are plenty of ways you can support a cause, from volunteering your time to donating money. A little effort can go a long way, and it will make you feel good, too as giving is rewarding. So be a giver. That's my tip today. Now we have a little change up. So my originally scheduled guest was Tom Calicchio, and he couldn't make it today because he's actually opening a new restaurant downtown Manhattan called Fowler and Wells. He's in the process of opening it, I think, as we speak. So we've rescheduled for December 7th. And fortunately, I have another amazing guest who's in the studio with me. It is Naomi Gigas Downey. She's the nonprofit fundraising executive for City Harvest, the world's first food rescue organization dedicated to feeding New York City's hungry men, women, and children. Since 1982, City Harvest has rescued more than 500 million pounds of food. Naomi is a professional fundraiser with a proven record of leadership and success. And we've known each other a while, and I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for coming out to Brooklyn on this 
summer fall day. I know. I thought <laughs> I thought it was August, but apparently it's October. I know. I don't know what to wear, <laughs> but uh, I guess it's a good problem. Yes, it is. <laughs> so. Um, I like to start out with my guest backgrounds and how you got into what you're doing now. I mean, did you set out to work on fundraising and work for a nonprofit? Or? Um, well, I kind of fell into it. I, I was actually a music major in college. So I, after I got out, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I applied to a lot of music organizations throughout the city. I also tried to become an apprentice to a composer. Um, and wow, cool. Honestly, the <laughs> only company that would call me back was Carnegie Hall, which is, you know, certainly not um, anything to sneeze at. So my first job there, I was a, um, I, I handled VIP outreach and um, and VIP relations. So anytime uh, you know some sort of celebrity or VIP wanted to come to Carnegie Hall, they would call me. And I moved into um, community outreach, which I did, which is where I really got into doing events. I was um, in, responsible for putting free concerts on throughout New York City um, that was basically sponsored by Carnegie Hall. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about my job, besides obviously curating these amazing musical artists, was uh, going with the fundraising team to meet with different types of supporters, whether it was through corporate or uh, government, and uh, pitching the organization and pitching these programs to them. And I, I just caught a bug with you know, being able to sell something and get money from it. It just, it just was something I was fascinated by. And then I saw the recession happen, I think around 2002. And, and actually Carnegie Hall went through an evolution where they were, they changed around their programs. So I decided that fundraising was really the right way for me to, to, um, to move. And so I, I left and I went to a variety of other organizations, which eventually led me to um, City Harvest. And an interesting point um, is when I was at Carnegie Hall, one of the last events I did, um, we actually donated um, food to City Harvest. And I had such an incredible experience that... I had been targeting that organization to um, try to get a job. So eventually I, I landed my dream job there about 10 years ago. That's amazing. I did not know you had a background in music. Yeah, and that's, that was my entire yeah. background with food. I mean, food and, food and music have always been my two things. And um, I was just, yeah, I, 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 it was all I studied in college, actually. Where did you go to school? Syracuse. Ah, mm -hmm. that's my parents' uh, go orange school. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I got it. I got it very well. Yeah, they'll be thrilled to, to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you grow up in the New York area? I grew up in Westchester, okay. so right outside the city. Okay, so. Yeah. So not far. You've stayed, and I actually, you've stayed here. Yeah, and I, and I, um, I moved back about four years ago um, and live around the corner from my parents. So. What part of Westchester? I live in White Plains. Okay, because mm -hmm. I've had some clients recently in Westchester. Yeah. So I've been learning about the different neighborhoods. It's a burgeoning dining scene. So yeah, it's, it's, there's some really good restaurants out there. And it's, it's, I, I still prefer New York City. I'm, I'm, I hope I can say that. but No, me, me too. And I, prefer, I, I don't mind. Like the, when I go up to my clients and I do the commute every once in a while, it's sort of fun, especially this time of year when the leaves start to change and to see the, the nature. But um, 
I still like being in the city. Me too. I mean, that's why I, I actually love living in Westchester, but my, I love, love working in the city. I love dining in the city. I mean, to me, there's nothing like New York. You just, you can't, you can't replicate it anywhere. Right. Yeah, I agree. So when you started with City Harvest, what was your position and... And how has it changed over the years? So I started um, just overseeing our events, which I mean, just makes it sound like it was um, it was it was nominal. But it was it was a um, back then we had somewhere between five and six large signature events. Um, and then over time, we've tried different types of things. And then, um, you know, we've we've landed now on three signature events because these are the three events that raise the most amount of money. Um, and one of the things that after I started, I quickly got very closely involved in was our relationships with the chefs and restaurants because that was uh, an area that I was very interested in. And there was um, a need for for that area to really grow. Um, so I, I also took over that, that, that area of the organization. And then, um, I also oversaw and oversee the, um, sponsorship. So uh, a lot of corporations now, they like to put their marketing dollars towards events and have, um, you know, either it's they have their logo on something or they want to have access to high net worth individuals or in some capacity. So that's an area that I also I also work with currently. So what are the three signature events you're now working on? We have uh, we have our annual gala, which is in the spring. And that's, you know, your typical gala where people come and uh, they have a cocktail. They have a cocktail party. We do a seated dinner. And then um, there's a live and, and silent auction. There's dancing. It's really fun. Um, and we do that at Cipriani 42nd Street. And that event raises over $2 million every year. It's, Amazing. It's, yeah, it's really, um, it's really evolved quite a bit over the years. And... Um, it has usually around 600 people. Um, it's and we also have a lot of um, chefs and industry leaders that attend. So it's a really um, it's it's really fun. We also have two tasting events. One um, which we just had uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago, at um, Basketball City on the East Side. What is um, our, our big signature, um, massive chef tasting? We do over seventy chefs and restaurants. Um, we have a live and silent auction. We have a really wonderful VIP room with exceptional wines and food. This year, it was curated by Michael White. Um, and then we have these VIP bungalows where people can pay to have their own, you know, essentially their own cabana. Um, what you know, you would think of in you know next to the pool in Vegas, but much more tasteful. Um, and it's just a really special experience to be able to, um, connect with some of the best restaurants and chefs in the city, in my opinion. Yeah, it was, Um, it was was amazing. It was bit against hunger. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I've been going to that event on and off or I try to go every year, but it's, 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 always a stellar lineup of chefs. So all of your events, you, you get amazing restaurants involved and, 
and the bungalows and the different aspect you you add in every year, like change it up is is cool to watch, like the evolution. That's actually, yeah. And, and, you know, each year we try to do something, we add some sort of element. So this year, for example, with the bungalows, we had um, the, the bungalow guests were able to check in and um, receive a, a, a glass of champagne and get a hand towel and they're able to get escorted directly to their bungalow. Oh, I mean, just little I things that we that. always, <laughs> <laughs> next year buy a bungalow and we'll, we'll, we'll show you. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Work on that. <laughs> Can't imagine what that costs. I know. <laughs> um, and then we we also have Summer in the City, which is our other tasting event that we do in June. Um, and that that's geared more towards our, our younger donors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a le- it's a lower level ticket price um, so that it's more accessible to our more junior philanthropists. And um, it's really fun. It's also a way for us to work directly with some of the newer up and coming chefs that um, maybe aren't ready to do an event of a thousand people like Bid is, um, but they're able to you know, do an event where there's like six or 700 people and, um, they, you know, they have, and they also have a connection with some of the people, you know, they're consumers, they're direct, the people who come to their restaurant. So that one's also really fun. We had, um, that one was in June this year. We, we raised, um, around $400,000 and it, it, um, we had Questlove was a DJ. I mean, it was, it was a, it's, it's a, it's really lively. Um, it's, it's, it's a, you know, everybody was dancing. So it's, you know, one of the things I love about City Harvest events, um, if I, I mean, I, I guess I'm tuning my horn a little bit, but go, go for it. <laughs> they're, we try to make them really fun and we try to really think about what does a guest want? Not, it's not always how can we squeeze every last dollar out of somebody? It's, what what are people going to enjoy? What are they going to want to eat? What are they going to want to drink? Who are they going to want to see? Who What music are they going to want to listen to? And then if we're going to ask people for a lot of money, we want to try to give them a lot of value out of what they're paying for so that they really walk away with, wow, that was a great experience. That was totally worth it. I want to go back. You you do that, and you you should toot your own horn because your events are amazing. Because I've been going to them for for years, and summer in the city, I've been too many times. And you do cool venues like rooftops, and I don't know. And you bring in hot new chefs, and and yeah, it's uh, it's like a win win. I, I don't know. I think you you do an amazing job. Thank you. So how far out do you start planning these events? Is it just all year you're just working? You, you Like Bid Against Hunger ended and now you're on to the next on one? On to gala, yes. Yeah. I actually, we it overlaps. Um, the events typically, we start around six months out, sometimes more. If you're looking, I mean, things like booking the, the, the date and the venue have you know, about a year out. And then the real planning starts about six months and then you get really, really into it three to four months out. Um, and but it's a year round thing. So, for example, I was doing work on our gala, which is in April this summer, and um, not a lot, but there were still things that need to get done. And now that bid is over, we're really starting to um, focus on what's coming up in the spring. So, it's it's a full year. Um, even though th- three events doesn't sound like a lot, it's it is a lot, and we have a you know full team of people that work on it. About how many people are working on these, like, year-round? I know you bring in more people we at do. the event. We do. We have um, – there's six people on, on our team right now, and um, we also have outside event companies that we work with um, for our three events because um, – they're so labor intensive and there's so much outreach that needs to be done, especially for our tasting events with, um, 
the chefs, we need to be able to, we need to be able to have somebody who can just, that's their entire job is just back and forth with a communication. Yeah. No, there are so many details with event planning. I don't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go to the events and support, but I don't want to do it. It's fun. I mean, it's really, it can be really fun. It's a lot of work. It's very labor intensive. And there's so many people that have, I've spoken to over the years that have said, I want to be an event planner. And I ask them why. And they say, well, I love parties and you're not a guest. So (laughs) you're, you're actually working. And even though people will see me running around or, you know, and I can actually talk to people throughout our events, I'm always working. So I'm not, at the event, sipping champagne and eating, eating food from, you know, an amazing chef. I'm actually, if I'm trying the food, it's because the chef said, I was talking to him and he said, here, you need to try this. And I can't, you know, I'm not going right. to say no. So I, it's not, it, I'm always working. Yeah, no, I get that from doing PR and working right. with, you understand it. I, I'm yeah, I get it. Like it's, <laughs> you're working at it, but I think someone who wants to get into event planning really has to be very detail oriented because there's so many, so many details mm-hmm. and, and that sometimes I, you do go to events and you realize people have missed that they need more garbages or whatever it yep. is, like the things that, that, yeah, you mm-hmm. take for granted sometimes. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And I think, um, where you have to be, you have, again, you have to, you have to care about people because if you don't care about other people, then you're not going to care about presenting a, a, a good event because you, that's at the end of the day, that's, that's what you're trying to do is create a, a positive experience for people. Right. I agree. And we're going to take a break on that note. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Music for this commercial break is brought to you by Rectech. And this track is called Dues Paid. This episode is brought to you by One House. At One House, we noticed that most serious chefs and managers don't hang out in brightly lit offices, so we go out in the field to gather the best talent wherever they may be. We meet and talk to them, like humans used to do back in the day. We are the people people. Our talent sourcing covers salaried dining room, kitchen, and corporate professionals. We thrive in Michelin-starred, James Beard, and -and mom-and-pop environments alike, from coast to coast. Drop us a line at one-haus.com or at info at one-haus.com for our confidential, up-to-date, and relevant career options, or if you're an operator seeking a culinary or management-level pro. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Naomi Gigas Downey of City Harvest. And uh, yeah, we're talking about about we were talking about a lot about these events, which are so fun. And actually, one more comment on them before I want to dive a little more into City Harvest as the organization and what and the food rescue. But with the events, you also have the auction. 
Yes. Which is a major component. The live auction plus the mm-hmm. silent auction. We and do. that, yeah, it's very, I don't know. I'm always in awe of auctioneers and their ability to do that as a it can, job. It can be hard. <laughs> I mean, I've worked, I've had the, I've been fortunate to be able to work very closely with our auctioneers. And we've worked with the same one now for, I don't know, probably about four or five years. And he does both our, uh, our fall benefit and our, I mean, it's a bit against hunger and gala and he does a really good job. He's very entertaining and he does a good job of assessing the crowd and figuring out whether or not the, um, there's money in the room or not. And then if he, you know, he's, he's really brought in a significant amount of money for the organization. So we've been very lucky. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's great. So, City Harvest is the world's first food rescue organization. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was founded uh, over 30 years ago by a group of people who they were at a restaurant and saw that the restaurant was wasting food. So they um, they decided to back up their station wagon into the, you know, to the back of the restaurant and pick up that food. And they, they took it over to places that were um, providing food for for the hungry. And the organization has evolved since then, obviously. But but at its core, it's it's the same. So our our overall mission is we rescue food um, from people that have too much and give it to people who don't have enough. And, um, you know, obviously we've, we've increased what, you know, the, the poundage, we're currently at 55 million pounds of food each year. We have 22 trucks. We, um, the, the trucks are all over the city picking up food from all different places and dropping it off at soup kitchens and food pantries throughout the, the city. And, um, you know, one stat I want to make sure I mention is that there are 1.4 million people in New York City that um, need food. And a third of those actually are kids. And this organization, City Harvest, is, is just, in my opinion, essential to to helping the, the hungry of the city because um, there's just, and we're just scratching the surface. I mean, there's so many people that need help. And and honestly, that's why I work there, because for that reason. No, I I. I feel your emotion and it's and it is it's it, no it's 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 an amazing organization for a great cause what you what you do and it it just makes sense because having working you know working in, with restaurants or even just as a consumer you see you see waste mm-hmm. and that that food can go to other people who need it. Mm-hmm. it it's it's wonderful that you're able to to do that yeah I mean there's I mean, there's been a lot of talk about food waste these days, which I think is actually very good because, yeah. um, you know, food just gets thrown out for all different kinds of reasons. Um, there's there's um, 40% of the food in this country is actually thrown out. And we work to reduce food waste in New York City. And the food that we that we get, that we rescue is all good food. So it's not, um, what you would think of, um, what's in the trash. It's, it's food that, um, say a restaurant has asparagus and they just need to use the tips for some sort of recipe. We'll take the rest of that asparagus. We'll, we'll then take it to, um, a soup kitchen and then it'll be on someone's plate that night. And that's just one way that we're able to, to reduce food waste. I mean, we work with, 
every type of donor from you know huge manufacturers to um, to the small bakery who's donating just a bag of bread um, it, it really runs the gamut and every one of our food donors is uh, is valued to us um, and it's the way that we're able to to um, provide as much food as we are is all of these incredible generous donors that um, are able to to donate food to us yeah, so if, if there's a chef or a restaurateur out there listening mm-hmm. and they want to get involved, mm-hmm. how, how, how do they? Do they go to your website? Is there a form yeah. to fill out? Yeah, there's a, I mean, they can go to our website. I mean, the, the great thing about City Harvest is that no matter what way somebody wants to help, um, whether it's financially or with food or volunteering, there's a way to do it. And um, what you'll find is that every person that I've met, at least, um, who supports the organization in, in any of those ways has a personal story behind it. Um, and and we really appreciate any type of donor. And so f- to answer your question, if a chef wanted to get involved, I mean, they can, they can donate food, they can donate their time. We have um, cooking demonstrations that we do at some of our programs throughout the city. Um, they could participate in an event if if it's um, if it if it's appropriate. Um, we um, we also have a program, a really neat program called Chef Special, where restaurants will create a dish, say lasagna, and they'll create you know five trays of lasagna. And on a ver- on a designated day, our trucks will come and pick it up. Say it's one every the first Thursday of every month, the truck comes and picks it up and then takes it directly to a soup kitchen and it's served to the the clients that same day. Um, and so we have restaurants like um, Landmark or Stan Social um, that that do that for us. Um, and it's, it's a, that's another great way for, for restaurants to even just dip their toe in the water and see if it's something that they're interested in. Um, because at the end of the day, we're not encouraging food waste. So we don't want them to, um, have all this extra food that they have to, you know, lose money. Um, you know, we want them to, to, you know, to, to, to support us in the way that makes sense for them. Yeah. And that makes sense. No, and I think you're, I mean, you're right with the, the food waste becoming a, a more talked about topic. Even I was thinking how I went to Dan Barber's Wasted pop-up last year mm-hmm. where he did the whole menu with mm-hmm. what are ingredients that are typically thrown out of, of like, like peels of apples and things. And it was, it was excellent. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's great that there is more awareness and, and action. So, um... What you also have a a chef's council with mm-hmm. with involved and and do they what is what's their role? So we have the, our food council consists of about seventy restaurants. Uh, sorry, uh, chefs and restaurateurs. It's uh, chaired by Jeffrey Zakarian, and for many years, actually, and it was it was was chaired by Eric Repair. He was the founder, um, and Eric is still obviously very involved with City Harvest. He's the vice chair of our board. Um, and Jeffrey has done a really great job of helping to evolve the 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 food council even further than um, than where we were before um, in bringing on some in, some interesting new well known chefs that we're able to work with. Um, the, the chefs 
work with us in their own way. So just like a donor or any type of supporter, we are able to individually um, connect with each of the chefs and restaurateurs um, so that they're able to support the organization in the way that works best for them. So whether it's through one of our events or if it's through donating um, either food or funds, I mean, some of them are generous um, financial supporters as well. Um, we're able to develop a program for each one of them so that they're able to um, to support us. And it's really, in my opinion, some of the best around. Um, you know, there's others and that... And the best dressed. And the best dressed, of course. Of course, <laughs> you, you can't beat those outfits. Jeremy <laughs> <laughs> Zakarian takes the prize every time. He will win not it. agree yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> dapper. Very yes, dapper. Agreed. Um, no, but yeah, you have you have a tremendous amount of, of talent involved. And because it's a great cause. Yeah. I mean, people want to get behind it. We're, I mean, we're very, very fortunate. Um, we have tremendous, tremendous support from the the restaurant community in New York and even you know some outside but it's it's been it's been such a pleasure of mine to be able to have the opportunity to work with some of these people because or all of these people because it's um I I personally have been so interested in in food and restaurants my entire life and so to then be working with some of these people um, professionally is just um, I mean you can't you can't beat that yeah it's a good job. Good job. Well, cool. Okay, we're going to take another break and we're going to come back and we're going to play my speed round game and then talk a little industry news. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Music for this break is brought to you by Rectech. And this track is called Field Trip World. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Naomi Geigas Downey. Keep saying your name right. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> I think I am, right? You absolutely are. Okay, cool. So it's time for my speed round game. So what this is is I name a couple things, either or preference, and you just pick your favorite. So here we go. Okay. Eat in or eat out. Can I say depends? You can say whatever you want. I don't have rules. I love to cook and I love to eat out. So, okay, both. both. I may have a hard time with this because I like to do lots of things. All right, <laughs> no problem. My dad's a scorekeeper, but it's his own little thing. So you might not do so well in his system. <laughs> but okay. as I say, everyone's a winner in my game. <laughs> okay, so um, wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail. Well, it depends on the time of year and what I'm doing. Currently, I've been drinking wine a lot. 
not a lot, but I mean, that's kind of what I might go to right now. Right now, mm-hmm. wine for the fall. But I love I love a good cocktail before dinner if it, if I'm out to dinner. Okay. And I love cocktails in the summer too. Mixing it up. Mm-hmm. How about tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? All plates. Um, All plates. I like that. <laughs> um, if I had to pick, I would pick small plates. Okay. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Tipping for sure. Okay. How about tasting events, like walk around tasting events or sit-down dinners? Tasting events. How about Pier 36 Basketball City or Metropolitan oh, Pavilion? Oh, you're getting me in trouble. Oh, I don't know. Or I don't know. Those <laughs> are the venues I know you've... Metropolitan Pavilion. Okay. I mean, it was it, your events were at the Metropolitan <laughs> Pavilion yeah, for many I, years. I really liked it there, and I, um, I think it, I, 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 but they both have they both have benefits. Yeah, no, they're. I feel, uh, yeah, we'll leave it like that. <laughs> Two more cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. Awesome. Do That's people pick Brooklyn? Some do. Okay. And then they feel well. The Manhattan people who pick Manhattan a lot of times make a comment that. They feel bad because we're in Brooklyn right now? Oh, I don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Although I do love this. I do. Yeah. I do. No, no. I, I, <laughs> we're not going to get kicked out. Yeah, I hear you. It's all good. So um, industry news. One of the uh, one things happened this week. So Michelin Guide came out first time for Washington. It's an article in the Washingtonian. 12 D.C. restaurants earn Michelin stars by Jessica Sidman. And um, so there are no three-star Michelins in D.C. And two stars went to three restaurants in at Little Washington, Mini Bar, and Pineapple and Pearls. And then there were, uh, I think, nine one-stars. So, um, you, I mean, what'd you, what's your take on this? Have you any, any comments um, on Michelin? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... I, I guess it, it's somewhat controversial, Michelin, but um, it's a it's a good guide for people, especially people who don't know the city and may want to go and um, try one way for uh, for. Re- it's just one type of review. I mean, I think if you're really looking for a, a good restaurant, you have to look at a variety of different places. Um, I mean, when I go, um, if I go somewhere out, especially outside of the city of New York to to eat so say i'm traveling i'll um i do a lot of research because i'm so interested in food and i'll ask not only people that i know but i may look at um whether it's michelin guide or uh, not as much but um i'll look at you know a variety of different things and i think these types of things are subjective you have to um you have to take it for for what it's worth and um it's unfortunate that there's no three stars because um i'm i'm certain that there's some really wonderful restaurants in dc um, but I think it's, um, I, I think it's just one way that people. Yeah, I agree with that. I, 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 I think there were, I mean, there were several articles that kind of came out after this that start, you know, kind of criticizing it or saying they missed this or why is this on? And there's always people who are going to have their opinions and it's mm-hmm. subjective, but I like, I like looking and seeing what, what is being 
noted on mm-hmm. these lists. And I did take a spontaneous trip to D.C. recently, and I, I wasn't. I mean, I would. I wanted to go to Pineapple and Pearls. Like, there's no reservations, but I did go to their bakery, which is very accessible and delicious. And um, and I went to come some of the ones on the one star. I went to the Dabney and I went to um, Tail Up Goat. Um, I don't know. It's 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 good to have these guides to see. And I there was, um, but I like using a lot of uh, outlets or mm-hmm. getting getting information different places too. Mostly yeah. from industry people is well, my source. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think that's part of it. I think word of mouth is a, is a really important way to to um, to get restaurants. But you know, a lot of a lot of the best meals that you can have are not necessarily going to be in one of those books, and um, it. And that's okay. It it really doesn't, um, you know, you could get a referral from somebody and it's not something that you found in a book or uh, it hasn't been reviewed, but it could be one of the best meals that you have. And um, so that's why I think you just have to take it with for what it is. And um, and it's just a guide. It's one way. Right. It's one guide. Yeah. And and congratulations, all these chefs that were in the book. Sure. It's amazing. I mean, I don't there's. It's, I don't know. It's an honor. And I think, I think I know the chefs do look, look for it. That's the thing. I know a lot of them say, oh, it's, you know, it's not, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've read a lot of, a, a lot of chefs say it's not, um, it, it doesn't matter. And, you know, they don't know what they're doing or whatever the, whatever it is. And, um, but at the end of the day, they all look mm-hmm. and they all want to be in it and they all want to have, um, three stars. And if they don't, you know, it's it's a it's still something that they think about. Yeah, true. Well, you all can check out the DC Guide Michelin and and <laughs> let us know what you think. Another article, Chicago Tribune. So James Beard Awards has decided to stay in Chicago through 2021. It's an article by Louisa Chu. So James Beard Awards have. They're coming up on their third year in Chicago. It was always in New York, and they've committed to another four years. Um, and I was—I've been going every year. And last year in Chicago at the awards, there was talk or sort of like speculation about whether it w- would move. And San Francisco and I think New Orleans were kind of bidding for it. But Chicago has been so welcoming and has an amazing relationship with them that they've mm-hmm. decided to stay. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was, that was big news. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, it also solidifies that there are restaurant scenes outside of New York city, which there are, no, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, I think for a long time, uh, it was New York or, or maybe mm-hmm. a couple of other cities. And, um, I've been to Chicago recently. I've been to new Orleans recently and, I've had some of my best meals at there and, and, um, you know, they really, there's, there's a lot more competition in some of these other cities and even not in major cities. And, you know, you hear about all these chefs that are going back to their hometowns or somewhere Mm -hmm. in the Midwest to open up restaurants in much smaller cities. Um, and I think, I think it's great. I mean, personally, I mean, is it, I'm sure the New York chefs miss, miss the awards, but, um, I think it's, it just shows that there's, good food in more places. Yeah. I, I mean, I have no problem making trips out there. Chicago has a strong dining scene. I mean, DC is a strong dining scene. There's a lot happening across the country. Um, and another note, I just 
came out yesterday of, of some news about how Food and Wine Magazine is now doing a culinary festival in Brooklyn, just as just as a note of something. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Yeah, no, as as just as, as there's now Food and Wine Festival's everywhere, mm-hmm. but they announced that they're doing one in February um, at Barclays Center. Mm-hmm. So um, just showing, I don't know, bringing in, it's just the interest in food, whether it's these these awards that are happening in different cities and it's just, or festivals, it just mm-hmm. keeps growing. Mm-hmm. The industry keeps getting stronger. It does. It does. I mean, Brooklyn alone has a, such an incredible dining scene. I mean, you could almost pull it away from New York City in some way. I mean, some, I mean, people in Brooklyn would probably feel that way, but, um, you know, we're, we're so lucky that we have Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and, um, you know, even Staten Island and the Bronx, um, you know, have, there's, there's just something for everybody in all of our boroughs. So I think we have the benefit of having even more than a lot of these other cities. So, yeah. And that, that's segue into a little shout out I want to give for NYC food and wine festival, wine and food festival, which was this past weekend. Um, I mean, it's grown so tremendously. It was over a hundred events. It's by Lee Schrager. Um, their, their charities, they have no kid hungry and food bank for, New York City, which are incredible organizations as well. And um, I went to some events. I had some chefs and restaurants participating. And it was it's always a very well-organized, um, fantastic festival weekend. So I just wanted to give them a shout-out and say congratulations. And then another notice um, coming up next week on Monday is Autism Cooks. And it's on October 24th, and I'm going to be going, this is my first time going, and this is an event that their mission is to provide holistic health and wellness options to those with autism and developmental disabilities for low cost to free. And Chef Franklin Becker is involved. He was, uh, I know, at City Harvest. Um, so if, you, if you're interested in checking it out, their website is popearth.org. And uh, lots of charities, lots of good causes, and lots of great food. <laughs> so um, on that note, we're going to take one more break and uh, come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This commercial break is brought to you by Taxstar, and this track is called Walkin' Like a Cowboy. to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. And this week, it's at Bad Saint. So here's the rundown. Location, 3226 11th Street in Washington, D.C. 
the concept, a cozy transporting enclave specializing in Filipino dishes, cocktails, and culture. The chef, Tom Kunanen, and co-owners Genevieve Villamora and Nick Pimentel. So why did I go? Because I was on a spontaneous trip to D.C., and this new restaurant has received national recognition. My experience. So my friend, pastry chef Pichet Ong, introduced me to co-owner Genevieve, and I was able to get a seat at the chef's counter at this popular no-reservations restaurant. Since I had been restaurant hopping, I ordered light-ish, although everything looked delicious, but my server was very helpful in helping explain the dishes to me and figure out what to get. So what did, what did I get? I had the ginseng ampalaya, which is bitter melon, farm egg, and preserved black beans. And I had the ginseng tolya, which is little neck clams, Chinese sausage, and Sichuan chili, and it came with rice. My take... Who knew I would like bitter melon so much? And the clams with their broth were exceptional. The ambiance is dark, intimate space that feels and smells like you're in the kitchen, because you basically are. I'd say it's perfect for those seeking rich and flavorful Filipino food and for solo diners, as it's mostly counter-like seating. Interesting tidbit. Bad Saint was selected on Bon Appetit's Hot 10 Best New Restaurants in America this year, and it received a bib gourmand from Michelin. Personal fun fact, I am sure my parents are wondering right now when I had time to go to D.C. (laughs) The cost, $31, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I would. Website is badsaintdc.com. So, yes, a lot happening in D.C. And uh, next week, my guests, so it's time for my final question. So next week, my guests are... Luis von Richten and Cedric von Richten. They are the co-founders with their father, John George, of Food Dreams Foundation, a John George Foundation, um, a John George Foundation that they just founded recently, and they're offering scholarships, training, and job placement opportunities, which is what it's about. But um, Naomi, I want to see if you could ask Luis and Cedric a question. Sure. Um, My question is, how would you suggest a young or new chef should get involved in some sort of charity? What are some ways that they could um, find a charity um, or support the community in some way? That's a great question. Yeah. You have to tune in next week to find out the answer. No, it's great. No, it's good. I'm excited to talk with the Vungrichtens. That'll be fun. Yeah, it will be. So, um, great. And that's the show. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, This no, was fun. I'm glad you were able to come out. And I, I really am a big fan of everything you and your team does at City Harvest. Thank it's you. It's a wonderful organization. Thank you. So um, people want to check it out. Their website is cityharvest.org. I've been talking with Naomi Gigas Downey. She's the nonprofit fundraising executive at City Harvest. Their Twitter is at City Harvest, and their Instagram is at City Harvest NYC and NG Downey. You can find me on all social media platforms. I'm at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org, and we are also on iTunes and Stitcher. 
Many thanks to my show's fall season sponsor. It is One House Hospitality Headhunters. Their website is one-house.com. Their Twitter is one underscore house, and Instagram is one house. That's O-N-E-H-A-U-S. And that is the show. Thanks to my engineer, Pierre. I'm Sherry Bayer. Thank you for being part of All in the Industry. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thank you.